1: Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Doug Gottlieb.
2: You know, our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for fast, free shipping, free roadhouse protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of the best tires, like the highly consumer-rated toyo open country at3 but did you know they sell other automotive products wheels brakes suspension just to name a few everything you need to elevate your drive simply go to tirerackcom sports TireRack.com. sway tire buying should be
0: there's a lot happening these days but i have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time
1: Here's in the bonus with Doug Gottlieb. Oh,
2: what? I got to be on the Fox Sports Radio. Okay. You know, here's the way national sports radio works. Okay. Monday, we always react to the NFL and we usually overreact. Tuesday is usually a college football day, but. Rodgers tours Achilles tendon. It was what um, the most watched Monday night football game since they went to ESPN, ABC, right? Since, since that, that, that shifted. Um, so that was very much worthy of, of lead stuff. So there was a lot of college football. We talked to Mel Tucker on the, on the podcast. And as that continues to evolve, I, there's a lot to that story that I still think we're going to learn And I found it curious that Brenda Tracy's lawyer asked for privacy and then Brenda Tracy had previously and after that gone after Mel Tucker on Twitter and others on Twitter. So, um, yeah, that's not being on message. If you want privacy, if you want people to stop talking about it, leave you alone and let this proceed, that I just I, I there's lots of questions that I think ultimately will be answered, but we don't have answers to yet. Uh, I want to get to why I think Nick Saban is likely to retire. But before we get to that, I I, I need to state this. This is really, really, really important stuff. And you're like, come on, man, sports. How important could it be? Here's the really important stuff. Um, You've seen, you know, Tez Walker was the first, and there's been now basketball players who have had their waivers denied. And (laughs) here's what happened in college sports, okay? For a long time, the media, and even most recently, last 10 years, social media has dictated a lot of terms. And the push has been, hey, players need freedom, players need to be compensated, players need to be able to move, players need to, you know, be heard, and... The players should have a lot more power. The power dynamic shifted way, way uh, in the favor of players. Like they have, can I call all the shots? And most people on the inside know it's ruining the sports, ruining all sports. Because you can't really coach guys if at any point in time they can leave and then they can go play right away wherever else they go. It, it makes for an unhealthy dynamic. And also, and this is like the most important thing that no one else is going to say, you need to be at a place a couple of years and establish some roots for when you're done playing. Like we're all so focused. All these media guys are so focused on the here and the now and not the long-term thing. So you go back a year and a half ago and... I would say 95% of the coaches and administrators I spoke to were like, something's got to be done in order to change the dynamic here. You can't just transfer school to school to school to school to school. So the, the, what they did, okay, what was voted on, what was approved is the second transfer, you have to get a waiver. And they told you, you're not going to get a waiver. Because the problem is, if you give one kid a waiver – any sort of You can hire any sort of lawyer who cites that as precedent and said, this guy got a waiver. Why can't we get a waiver? And because there's been such a high number of these kids who want the waiver and go through the process and they all, the only argument they have is mental health care. Hey, and it's, it's sad, but plenty of people have made that up. They simply made it up. And now we're creating a, what is the NCAA to do? If they relent, well, then what was, the, what was the whole reason for listening to you and trying to fix the sport? Like, if you don't think it's completely fucked up that a player can go to a school, transfer, not sit out, play another school, and then if he doesn't like it, transfer to another school. And the ones that play well, they simply up their value and go to the highest bidder. The ones that don't play, they go on to some other place. Here's, here's Tyler Hansbrough, who, again, here's Tyler Hansbrough, who I like, I've had on my podcast, was an all-time great player. Let me play for you what he said on his pod, and then I'll pick apart the inaccuracies.
3: Tess should be playing right now. And it's not the fact that I am a UNC grad. I pull for UNC. This is wrong what the NCAA is doing. They gain nothing out of this. They only hurt the kid, and I cannot understand it. They need to come out and have a little more transparency. That's all we've asked for. Hey, why? Why? Make a statement about why he is ineligible. It makes no sense to me and you, Sleep. And I'm, I'm pretty disappointed with this move. Um, and I'm also disappointed at how quiet they have been and non-responsive and kind of just take their time. And, you know, their, their response time to most things is an Mm -hmm. absolute joke. They're non-responsive. They take forever. And, uh, it's, uh, it's not a good situation, and it just doesn't help the case when people are already pushing to abolish the NCAA. Get rid of it. They're not doing very good right now.
2: Um, okay, H- here's the thing. There's always going to be a ruling body. There's always there, – you know, there's no way for, for it to be anarchy. That, that doesn't work. So the idea of abolish the NCAA, the NCAA is simply the voting body of all the collective schools. And here's like the, um, Tyler can say what he wants. And again, I like Tyler. This is not a, but you can argue and dispute what friends say. I do it with my friends all the time. They do it with me. But he knows it's bullshit. Okay? The only reason he's talking about Tess Walker is because he's a Carolina guy. And read the fucking quotes from Mac fucking Brown, who said, we need to have a waiver process. We need to slow the two-time transfers down. The only time they don't like it is because it's North Carolina. And the only reason you got Tez Walker was because he was a local kid that COVID year, didn't get heavily recruited, goes to North Carolina Central, doesn't play, goes to Kent State. Now he transfers up. Do you think he would go there if he wasn't, like, get an NIL? But the basketball program wants to slow the two-time transfers. They've been able to get grad transfers because you can still transfer a second time. Just graduate on time. There's so many rules that are in the favor of the players. This is simply one that goes like, and and now you can go, well, this is not fair. It's absolutely fair. It's total bullshit what you're told. And the reason the NCAA isn't going to come out and share, first of all, they don't have to. They don't have to have full transparency with why they rule how they rule. They do not. And the real reason they won't have full transparency is because, and I know this, not the Tes Walker. Um, there's a kid who transferred from, I'll, I'll give you it in a second, transferred from George Washington to Oklahoma and now is complaining on social media that he's, uh, his waiver's been denied. Okay. But the real reason that they're not going to say anything is because basically they're calling bullshit, only you can't call bullshit. I know a player who was a top 100 player. He went to um, a very well-regarded high major program. Didn't work out. Didn't play a ton his freshman year. Left, went to a power another Power 5 program. Okay. Played. Transferred after two years of playing. And he only transferred, okay, in reality, because he went into the coaching staff and asked for a certain amount of money. And with NIL. And by the way, coaches are not supposed to know about NIL. Of course they do. This is how you recruit guys. And the coaching staff was like, look, we love you. We're going to get you more money. But we can't get to that number. So he transfers. And his reason for getting a waiver, he checks off his mental health. Now, the problem is that the school he left has a team psychologist that is available and is at practice every day. He's been made available anytime you want and the coaching staff goes in once a week and documents that they say, guys, doc's, doc's available whenever you want. No, He doesn't share anything with us. It's just about you. It's just about your mental health. And not one time did the kid go in and use the school psychologist. Not once. Could have had a private psychologist. Did not. It's not to say that they're not having a mental health issue. But if you are, wouldn't you talk to somebody who it's free. It's right there. It's a service that's provided for you, paid for you by the school. All right. The only reason they claim it is because it's a way in which they were told to get out of the waivers. And the NCAA is like, at some point we got to call Bullshit. So that's the reality to it. And it's like, okay, you abol- this, this, what's, what's happened with college athletics is the same thing that's happened with police forces inside a lot of cities. Where for a couple of years, people were saying like, oh, the, defund the police, get rid, of the, get rid of them. They'll have private citizens. They don't know how to handle conflict, et cetera, et cetera. And so what'd the police do? Police is like, all right, we're out. How's that working out for you? The NCAA said the exact same thing. Oh, you don't want us involved in NIL and transfers and all that stuff? We're out. Now it's an abject disaster, and coaches and administrators are like, you guys got to do something. So they do something, and the and each school or player that gets the waiver denied, even though their coach and their administrator privately completely agrees with the philosophy – sits there and defends them and calls for the, basically the defunding of the NCA. It's the exact same thing. Don't let these, I, well, you're going to, don't let these people bullshit you. Okay. It has never, there has never been a better time to be a college student athlete ever. Not one time. Okay. I'll give, I'll give you one more example and then we'll move on to the, to the saving thing. Okay. Um, There's a kid named Joe uh, Bamasiel. okay? And Joe played his first year, he he played at uh, Virginia Tech, George Washington, and Oklahoma. Okay? Virginia Tech, Oklahoma. So, like, here's the crazy thing. So, he's applying for a waiver to play immediately at VCU. And he said, I'm very sad to announce the NCAA denied my waiver to play basketball this year at VCU. From an outsider perspective, I'm another college student-athlete moving from school to school. In reality, I transferred home to VCU because my father had open-heart surgery. And since then, he has survived two major life-threatening scares. The past year, the NCAA approved my waiver to participate at the University of Oklahoma because my previous institution... Uh, George Washington University. I struggle with severe anxiety and self-isolation. I need a new environment to address my mental health challenges. Okay. So like, again, do I believe that your mental health challenges are a real thing? Sure. Why not? If if they've been documented, but if you're going home to take care of your dad, the NCAA is not limiting your ability to take care of your dad. And, oh, yeah, by the way, like, you were at George Washington, you were at Virginia Tech, you were close to home. You chose to go to Oklahoma away from home. Now he's sick and you want to come home and take care of him. If you want to take care of your dad, then why are you playing college basketball? You'd still be on full scholarship. And, oh, yeah, by the way, had you simply, you went to three schools, had you you been able to graduate on time, none of this would have been an issue. You could play. Right away, but you didn't, right? You didn't. So I have complete sympathy for your dad's health issues. I have complete sympathy for living away from home and wanting to move home to take care of your dad. I get it. Hey, I don't have any sympathy for. He played at at Virginia Tech. Hey, he played at Virginia Tech. And he didn't play as much as he wants, so he transferred to George Washington. His coach got fired, and then he left. And he went to Oklahoma. Okay. And his, his dad, John, has suffered through some health issues. I'm not denying any of that, and I have great sympathy for it. But if you're going home to take care of your dad, take care of your dad. He gets healthy, play basketball next year. And oh yeah, by the way, again, here's the part that no one's mentioning. If he doesn't play this year, he graduates next year, I believe he could, I don't know if he would get that first year back, okay, because it was two, two, uh, 2020, 2021. I think he gets that year back. <laughs> so he could still play another year at a different school and no waiver required. Okay, let's get to uh, Nick Saban. Uh, I'm going to bring on a guest in a second, and I want to have a conversation about college recruiting. Carl Reed Jr. is a former uh, championship high school coach. He's an analyst for uh, 24-7 Sports. He analyzes recruiting in college football. This is a big thing for me. I think Saban is going to retire, and here's why. Um, The landscape has changed dramatically. And while the big boys are still good and still able to get—and the ones that are well-funded are still able to get great players— What Alabama had was the ability to stack too deep with all Americans. The perfect example is you had Tua Tungavailoa sitting behind Jalen Hurts. That will never happen again. And it's not just because only one can play and the other one can't. It's because the one that's not playing will not only be promised immediate playing time elsewhere and can transfer and play without sitting out, but also can make more money going elsewhere. And can make more money initially. So what happens is, you know, say you're a a top hundred kid in the state of Texas. Okay, first, you know, your first school generally is you're going to go to wherever the biggest school that offers the most money and the quickest chance to play. And so maybe that's Texas, maybe that's somewhere else. Right. But it also puts you at a price point where. No one ever feels like they're going to take less the next place that they go, even if they barely play. So we've talked about this before. It's really hard to recruit a five-star kid because unless they're a real, real elite player, really developed, hard to play them as freshmen. That's the real, hard to play them as freshmen. So at the end of their freshman year, they go in and say, coach, I need to make more money and I need to play next year or I'm out. Um, Where Alabama comes in is previously, and I'm sure they did some things like, um, it's the SEC. We're not dummies here. But the SEC, and specifically Alabama, was the greatest pathway to the National Football League. And the NFL was where you get paid to play. So you're already getting paid to be there. So there's not the... Uh, th- there's one, not the big picture look. Secondly, I think people have figured out, like, look, your best chance of playing in the NFL isn't just playing at Alabama. It's playing, period, right? The more you play, the more people see you. Everybody's on Everybody's on television. I just th- don't think it has the power that it used to. Now, the, the that's why it's interesting. People believe that the SEC and the Big Ten will have the most money to spend in NIL because their programs are already going to be super funded, not just by the TV deals, but by full stadiums. And they make, you know, $100 million plus on those stadiums. So they don't have, well, the way it works is you have a budget, right? And previous to these deals being so big, if you had an overrun on your yearly budget and you're a football program, you go to a donor and the donor's, you know, make sure that they, now they're so well-funded, they don't need to go to the donors for anything. They don't actually need to go to the donors for facilities. You know, teams that don't have facilities, you're like, why are we raising money for facilities when NIL is the way to get guys? But what's happened is the SEC and the big 10, they're going to dominate all the Olympic sports because all those programs are super funded and they can get NIL. I don't know if the same occurs in football because everyone's all in on football. Everybody's spending money on NIL and football. And you're not you're just not able to keep a two deep roster, a three deep roster the way you could previously. And because of that, I look at Nick Saban and I think, you know, I don't think they're running the right offense for the quarterback they have. That can be changed. I think, you know, you obviously have to have, and you remember when Alabama has been great during this run over the last five or six years, maybe even seven or eight years, they've had elite-level quarterback play. What they have now is, you know, very average college-level quarterback play, which is what they had when he first took off. But again, the world has changed. College football has changed. So he doesn't have the level of dominance outside of quarterback the way he used to. And then at quarterback now, he doesn't have A, you know, top five draft pick. Factor all of that in. And you're like, if you're Nick Saban, can you fix it? Yeah. Can you change how you recruit? Sure. Can you compete? Absolutely. Can you dominate? It's going to be harder. And I think at some point you just go, hey, we end this thing in a classy way. Last year, they lost two games, both at the last second. You know, they just lost to Texas. Texas had better players than they did. That's it. Texas had better players than Alabama did. And, you know, because, and you had a returning starting quarterback who's a really good college quarterback, who's a top five guy, right? We know about, about, about yours. I, I think I wouldn't stun me at all is if the guy wins 10 games and then says, Hey, I just want to play golf and I'll end up doing a bunch
1: of TV.
2: The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow
1: the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening.
2: You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has the tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporting handling, all-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRat.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from a full line of Bridgestone tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to slash sports to see their Bridgestone test results, tire ratings and consumer reviews. Be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires at a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's slash sports tireac.com, the way tire buying should be. Welcome in the in, in the bonus podcast. Uh, here on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio Radio app, he's a, a former head coach and a state championship coach at that, but he's a lead college football analyst and recruiting expert for twenty four seven Sports. He's Carl Reed. He joins us now in the bonus. And Carl, you know, I I, I watch a lot of your CBS Sports dot uh, com clips, and I know of your expertise in recruiting, and I wanted to uh, kind of have a conversation about it. Because I've gotten a chance to be around college campuses in the past, you know, for the past 20 years covering it, but specifically now in the past six months. And I've noticed a dramatic change in how things, everybody points to the portal and everything. You've done this a long time as a coach, now as a recruiting analyst. How much do you believe recruiting has changed over the past couple of years?
4: Well, it's definitely changed in a major way, and, you know, and obviously the two main factors are the transfer portal, the name, image and likeness. And with those changes, it's a lot of adjustments that both players and coaches have had to make. and um rather some guys are, are kind of stuck in the old way of doing things, some guys have embraced the way that things are going now, and the people who can adjust to the way it is now are the guys that are going to dominate college football, you know in the future.
2: Completely agree with you. Completely agree with you. And ultimately, I want to get to the top end of it. But, okay, so how does it work now, right? Like, what what is the reality to it working now that's new and different from the past?
4: So, if you had a big-time player, you know, just three or four years ago, where do they want to go? They want to go to Alabama, Clemson. Georgia, uh, Ohio State, um, you got USC, you know, the name brand schools. Well, now they want to know how much they're going to get paid. So the difference in it now is that you don't have the, 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 the pool to necessarily say, well, I got to go to Alabama. I got to go to Clemson. I got go to go to Texas. I have to go to one of those schools. You want to see what's my best NIL opportunity, um, what's going to be, what collective is going to work with me the best, what – um what NIL agent can I get that can secure me more marketing deals within a certain state? So it's leveled the playing field a lot, and it's given some schools who otherwise wouldn't be competitive in the past an opportunity to push themselves forward in this new market and in this new era of recruiting.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's it's fascinating, right? It's, it's one of the old um, conference affiliations don't matter as much. They They do, and I'll get to why in a second, but they don't matter as much. And it's also, it's harder to keep two deep and three deep of players, right? Because now, you know, if you get a kid, um, you know, a five-star or a four-star, there's an expectation of playing right away, even though it's really hard to compete with them right away. And so oftentimes the second school ends up benefiting more. Like it's better to come in second place. And I I think all of this, I think this is, why Alabama and frankly the SEC looks a lot more ordinary than it had in the past because in the past if you want to go to the league you go to the SEC and if you want to have the best opportunity you go to Alabama and maybe you wait your turn a little bit now guys don't feel the need to wait their turn because they can get compensated kind of become a professional already and then they figure that'll work out in the end is that is that a fair perception of what's happening
4: yeah it's right, except for one thing. Those guys that were waiting their turn at Alabama, they weren't waiting their turn because they wanted to. They were waiting their turn because they didn't have a choice. Right. You, know, if you right. left, if you left, you had to sit out. It was a lot you had to go through. The coaches had the major influence on where you could go. You got to remember, Doug, coaches could block you from going to certain schools in that era also. Right? So you would get – if a kid left the school – they could say you can't go to any school that borders this state. You can't go to any school that's on our schedule for the next ten years. You can't go to any school um, that is is on the in the border state of where you lived when you came out of high school. They can really put a lot of parameters on you. That it cannot be done anymore. The coach has no more influence over that so now when a guy goes and he he doesn't play he's gonna leave it's almost a it's almost a foregone conclusion that he's not gonna stick around if he's not playing so uh, Alabama uh, Clemson cannot hoard their roster with the with NFL level talent that's right. just wait their turn. Those guys that you need year after year are leaving, and you have to be able to recruit a new team every single year. And before you could develop guys, football in college is no longer a developmental game. It's amazing. It's amazing. Amazing.
2: Okay, so uh, let's start at the top. I think that this ultimately is is there's a lot of retirement talk with Saban, and I think there's a reality to where – Look, he's, if he was fifty-five, Nick Saban's smart; he could figure it out, right? I don't know if you stay at Alabama, but you can you could figure out how to how to dramatically change how you're doing, what you're doing, and obviously you could be the number one destination in the portal if you wanted to. There's a lot of different ways, but I think at seventy-one, whereas for the past fifteen years, he's been able to. It's not just his starters. His backups were better than other people's starters. I think with that changing, it's like it's 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 too hard and too long a process to turn the ship around. I think there's some reality to the Sabin talk. Do you get that sense as well?
4: Well, what I would say is over the past 10 or 15 years, I don't think anybody has adapted to every change that college football has made. The way that Nick has, okay, but Coach Saban he adapted to the spread, he adapted to the no huddle, he adapted to to technology. They they made changes in their strength and condition, and he's always been willing to go outside the box and not stay totally committed um, to doing it one way. He was always willing to change. The difference now is that everybody has the ability to do what he's doing now. When before it was a small handful of schools who can recruit good enough players to compete for a national championship. That's what has changed the ball game. And so I don't think that um, it's necessarily got anything to do with his age. I think he still is recruiting at a very, very high clip. I mean, there's still one or two in the recruiting rankings every single year. You're just not getting the opportunity to see those guys through. So I don't think that his age is a big factor. Is This is a change now that he can't necessarily control. Um, okay.
2: Dion, to me, feels like the perfect coach for this era, right? Because, um, on one hand he does what I think is understated to the outsider is he actually hires a good staff and lets his coaches coach, right? He does what he knows best. He's a motivator, but he also, he understands the transactional part of these relationships, right? And understands it. I think that, 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 that works At a lot of places, Colorado especially, because you know they want to be bad. They want to be good really badly, and obviously they're going to do anything to keep him. But also, they want to be in Texas. The Big Twelve will be in Texas. Do you think Dion works long term at Colorado?
4: Yeah, I think he works there as long as he wants to do it. Um, And and the thing with Dion is that. He had so many relationships in recruiting because people say, well, he doesn't have a lot of experience. He had experience to me at the most important level, the youth in the high school level. He was running that Under Armour camp series. He was him and hermet which were doing the Under Armour All-American game. So he was deeply entrenched. With all of the talent that you see playing in college football today, so he had real relationships that he was using to recruit. He has his own financial economy because of the marketing and with the things that his marketing team has been putting in place, and that's what's important now in this era. And he also and and he gets a lot of credit for being motivational, and he gets a lot of credit for some of the stuff off the field. But I'm telling you, because I've been around there a bunch, he's a lot better of a football coach than what people give him credit for. He really, really knows ball.
2: No, I know he knows ball, but he's also like, again, I've been told by a lot of people like like he oversees, but he also he brings in a really, really, like, the staff is very well regarded in terms of knowing the,
4: what The, the what staff who, is very top notch. The coordinators are unbelievable. The analyst you you know, you got guys like Pat Sherman, who's a former NFL coach that's an analyst. You got guys like Kevin Mathis, those guys are analysts. And when you add that to Coach Kelly and Deshaun Lewis, you know, as the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator, he did bring in some guys with some major recruiting chops. Yeah, of course. Um,
2: okay, let's say A and M opens. You know they have more money than than, than God, right? They'd have to spend a ton of money to get rid of Jimbo. Is it, wh- What is his? What do you think his ultimate dream is? Because it does feel like the Florida State thing, he's so scorned by it, I don't know if that ever happens. Is Colorado the ultimate dream, or is there something else?
4: Well, I, I, I think a couple of things with that. I think that Florida State also is in a good place with Coach, Coach Norvell. So sure. I don't think the conversation with Florida State that everybody may have wanted to see happen happens because Florida State right now probably has the best football team in the country, right? So I don't see a scenario where that's going to change and them being a top-five program in the near future. The second thing is, just like we just talked about with the players, does it even make sense to go somewhere else? He's a bigger draw now than the name of any school. Agreed. Right? So the name on the school in this era, doesn't matter the way it would have mattered if we were having this conversation 10 years ago. He can do more for Texas A&M than Texas A&M can do for him. And so, now, if you call a guy and you're willing to pay him $150 million, any reasonable man would hear a conversation like that out. But I don't think that they bring him anything, and I think he brings them everything. You have to remember, and, and despite the money, and the resources, you were talking about a guy that has in total control of his program and it's totally his ideology with very few outside influences. And you and I both know those guys at Texas A&M, It's a lot of people trying to stick their hand in the pot and the ideas, and he's not the kind of guy that's going to allow an outside influence. So I don't know that Texas A&M necessarily makes sense for him in the way that he wants to run his program and the way that he's gonna demand that they that they let him run it.
2: All right, I need an honest answer here. Did you did you know Shador was this good?
4: Yes, I did. And um I did I've seen him play a lot. I saw him at Jackson State. I saw him in high school. Uh, and I think that what happens with him is the same thing that I saw happen in recruiting with Arch Manning. And and the same thing you see with Bronny James. Those guys, because of who they, they what their lineage is, it is a very, very um, hot-button thing to say, well, if their name was different, they wouldn't be rated as high. If their name was different, well, the other side of that is you're talking about guys that have had access to the best training and the best mentorships since so they've been very, very little kids. I mean, you're talking about Shadow trains with Tom Brady. Right? So, if you got a kid that can train with Tom Brady and, and get some of his instructions from him, I mean, I think that quarterback would be in a pretty good position if you get to get mentored by a Hall of Famer. But he was elite at Jackson State. He was elite in high school. He's going to only get better. He gets coached and trained by the very best people. And he has a, a mentality that is very similar to his dad in terms of how dedicated and focused he is to the process of being great. Um, speaking of Arch. He struggled in the, in the
2: spring. He's third in the depth chart. Y- you mentioned like, like Bronny James. I think those of us who were just football fans, we don't know. How good is Arch?
4: Arch Manning is the real deal. And Steve Sarkeesian, I'm not surprised he struggled in the spring because Steve Sarkeesian has an offense that's probably as thick as a telephone book. So I think that any young man is going to have some struggles when he goes right from high school. But the good thing for Arch right now is he doesn't have to play right now. Quinn Ewers is doing a great job. We all saw what he just did against the University of Alabama. So he's in a learning phase right now. But I'm telling you, when you get a chance to see Arch Manning play, everybody will know that it's deeper than his name.
2: Hmm. Um, man. Um, so you, you mentioned Florida State might have the best team in the country. You do this for a living. You know who's got dudes, who doesn't have dudes. Um, who's that if, – if Clemson isn't what they used to be, if Bama isn't what they used to be, who else outside of Florida State – has the guys that are that's going to surprise people as the season plays out?
4: I think you, obviously you start off with Florida State and you go with Texas. And um, with, with USC and Caleb Williams, if their defense can find a way to slow people down, um, I think that USC can be right there in the discussion as well. And one thing for certain, and two things for sure, they haven't looked great yet, but Georgia's still the champs, Doug, Till they right. ain't the champs no more. Well, they still and
2: they still have the dudes, and they, they and, dudes. you know, and 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 look, they've been able to benefit. They've been able to benefit by, by such a such a number high number of NFL guys leaving and they've had some guys leave and go to other schools as well but they've been able to replenish their resources because they have an exodus the last 2 years to the National Football League so they can bring in new guys that can play right away and they don't you know they're they're not struggling with the two deeps like other people's that have, and you know obviously proximity to talent they're well funded and they made the switch in recruiting uh, a little bit sooner than than Alabama did
4: absolutely and The only thing that they're struggling with right now is maybe the quarterback play isn't consistent. But I expected that because people didn't treat Stetson Bennett with the respect that they should have. He was a really, really special player for Georgia.
2: No, an incredible college quarterback. And the problem is that people don't, they struggle with the, well, he's not a pro. Okay, but that doesn't mean you can't be a great college quarterback. You know, as we've seen from so many college quarterbacks, It's it's a different job. Last thing, okay, last thing. You're a wing T expert, okay? Absolutely. I have a fascination with the wing T because my high school, after I left, they had Deshaun Foster and Frosty Rucker and Sam Baker, and they ran the wing T to a ton of, a, a ton of success. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of what we've seen in the zone read is really veer, right? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. veer, it's triple option, and they, now you just have guys outside the numbers and they're letting quarterbacks through it. Will we ever see the rebirth of the wing T at the college level?
4: I don't think that you'll see it at the, the power conference level just because recruiting and most guys don't want to play in it. I still think you can win a ton of games at the FCS and Division two levels if you run it, I think, as a high school. Now listen to this, Doug. This is what made me go to it. In 2014, 15 ish, I did a study. 88% of every high school program that won a state championship at any class, all 50 states ran for at least 3,000 yards. 95% of those teams either ran wing T, split back, viral, flex bone. So the guy, and the guys, the 12%, had at least two power five starters. On offense, those were the guys who were able to win without running the wing. It's the best way to win high school football games, and it might be the best way to win games at the smaller college level. Tony Anesi, the head coach at Ferris State, who's been a Division II powerhouse, he won a bunch of state titles running the split back there as a high school coach. Now he's at Ferris State. He's won some D2 national championships, kind of running that same thing out the gun. So I think you can be really successful. But I think at the Power 5 level, where those guys' aspirations are strictly NFL or bust, I think it's hard from a recruiting standpoint to, to acquire the talent you need to compete at that level. Awesome. This is I, I, I agree with you. I
2: mean, it's who will, who will be,
4: who's going to try
2: it? Like, it'd be interesting to see if the – for example, uh, the academies, you know, the Navy or Army, right, they've, they've lived, lived on triple option for years, and with so many teams adjusting to the spread, right, can you imagine when you have a week to prepare for a team that's running the wing T, something you never see and something that is completely different style of blocking and tackling and, and everything involved? I'm, I'm fascinated by it. Carl, uh, this was great, man. I, re- I love your work. I appreciate your passion. Thanks so much for joining me. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to Tyreq.com/sports to see the Pirelli test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. Be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires at a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com. sports TireRack.com. The way tire buying should be. get to what the Fox says. And now. <laughs> <laughs> what does the Fox
5: say? Here's Brady Quinn talking about the Jets quarterback situation. You need a veteran guy to come in, I think, just for a veteran presence in that room. And I don't know if that's Matt Ryan who's doing broadcasting that's right now but has said he's not officially retired. I think it would set up really well for him, to be honest. The only thing I, I don't know is, is his familiarity with the West Coast system. You know, whoever they bring in, you know, it's going to be someone who's been in that system knows the language because it's too hard to learn another language and, and have to be thrusted right into it and be expected to be able to excel or play at a high level. So... Uh, that's the only thing I don't know is his familiarity with that. I, he's a really smart guy, so I assume he'd be fine. Uh, I've, there's been rumors they reached out to Chad Henney, although that's not, to me, a, a solution for them to him to go in and play a bunch of games at this point in time in his career. You know, more of a mentor to kind of be a backup to Zach. So who they sign will give you an idea of that. You know, if it's Matt Ryan, it's like, okay, he's, he's signing to come in there and play at some point. If it's if it's someone else, like, like Chad Henney, you're probably saying, okay, they want a veteran presence in the locker room. But they're going to have that with Rodgers. I mean, Rodgers has said, hey, he's going to stay around. He's going to help them game plan. He's going to help them, you know, as he's rehabbing after surgery, you know, be around for the guys. So, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're better off going with with a veteran guy, or maybe they're going to listen to Rodgers and say, hey, let let Zach do it. I'll help him and bring in another veteran backup in case you need someone to go in there and help him get out of a game.
2: Okay, so – Here's what's important to recognize. Chad Henney, okay, who's the offensive coordinator for the the New York Jets? Nathaniel Hackett. And the reason Chad Henney works is he's played there. He just retired, but he's been Nathaniel Hackett's backup quarterback before when Blake Bortles was the starter in Jacksonville. Remember when the Jacksonville Jaguars were good that one year and they didn't really trust Blake Bortles? I remember that year, Nathaniel Hacker was our offensive coordinator. Doug Marone was the head coach and Chad Henney was the backup quarterback. So uh, it, this is, it's, it's really as simple as it seems, right? Like, um, it's pretty obvious that Brady knows what he's talking about. You can't learn another language. And the reason that Chad Henney is viable is not just because he just retired and he can still play a little bit. It's because he has complete familiarity with, with the system, having played in it. And, of course, he played for a long time. And he doesn't need to be the starter, but he can play if called upon. That's why Chad Henny's the guy. It's not disrespectful towards any of those other players. It's just that they've worked together in the past, and it can be seamless. It's the reality of how you hire people, especially in short order. When you don't have a lot of time to fix something, you go with somebody who you know and knows how you operate. Here's Dan Patrick talking about the Eagles matchup with the Vikings
6: tomorrow night. We got Thursday night football. We have the Eagles and the Vikings. Now, if the Vikings had beat beaten Tampa Bay last weekend, then I would probably lean towards the Vikings will do something crazy like win that game against the Eagles. They lost the game against Tampa. Do you expect them to now win the game? Um, So, and the Eagles didn't look great against uh, the uh, Patriots, but then they come back home. I expect the Eagles to play well, but I do think we're going to have them under the microscope where we go, you know, Super Bowl hangover. Now we're going to do that with the Chiefs as well, but, you know, they're getting Kelsey back. uh, Chris Jones is back. Now we're going to find out if there's a Super Bowl hangover for the champs, but as far as the Eagles go... You know, do they take a little step back there? But they got the Vikings uh, coming to town. That'll be on Thursday night. I think it's
2: going to be really interesting with the Eagles. They did not look good offensively at all. And I'm sure some of it is rust. Some of it is new new, new pieces. Um, but And as much as we are just going all over ourselves about Jalen Carter and his performance, like the Patriots were a holding call away from taking the lead in that game and winning, despite you know giving away two touchdowns. Um, with a f- with a fumble and a you know a drop pass or a, you know a, a pick six off a very catchable ball, so the the Patriots' self-inflicted wounds spotted spotted the Eagles 16 points, and yet the Patriots had every right to think they could win that game. So we'll see. Um, Vikings had all kinds of issues with their offensive line, all kinds of issues with their offensive line on Sunday, and now they got to finish with very little time to regroup. Now, the sudden you got the, you got the Eagles. Well, that, that seems like a, that seems like a tough matchup, you know, and you got to go on the road after playing at home and you just played Sunday. Uh, I, this, this should be an Eagles dominant defensive performance, but I also realize that, you know, the Eagles are playing a much higher caliber of team than they played last year. And the, the Vikings are relatively healthy. This is Colin Cowherd talking about Coach Prime being an NFL head coach.
7: Dion brings in 70% new transfer portal. Whole new team. Outside of his son, Travis Hunter, nobody knows any of them. And they are crushing ratings in college football. Ask yourself this. What is Jerry Jones like? Stars and buzz and television and his former Cowboys and current Cowboys on television. I think there's a better chance... Dion ends up in the NFL, then that he doesn't. I do think free agency would be special. I do think he relates to players. I think Colorado Dion is an amazing story, but it doesn't feel like it's going to last that long. Let's be honest. When it happened, my first reaction was, that's weird. And then my second reaction about a day later was, well, he's going to get attention. I mean, he can coach. Jackson State, he won a lot of games. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. I I didn't think it was going to be this. I thought they were going to get blown out against TCU in the opener. So it's just been, it's been magical. It's been Chris Humphreys, Kim Kardashian. It's been magical. I just don't know how long and how realistic it is to think it's going to last. I think,
2: I think Colin is 100% wrong from this perspective. The idea of in the reason college coaches don't work in the pros is because in college, it's 100% about the coach in the pros it's only about the coach when they screw it up, right? It, it really, that's, that's how it works. And Dion has essentially said as much. Dion's also said he doesn't relate as much. The other part, and this is what, and, and again, Colin's a friend, we talk all the time. So this is not not anything I wouldn't say to him. There isn't a free agency in the NFL, like there's free agency in college football right now. Like in the NFL, you can't, Turn over your roster, 80% or 90% of your roster. It's not how it works. It takes time because you have contracts. And so the idea of attracting free agents, like you're not, first of all, free agents you usually have to spend more. And there's like a 30, did you know there's a 33% hit rate with free agents? Whereas in college, if you out recruit and you got better players, well, you're going to win most of your games. So. I think college is the perfect place for Dion. And I told when he got the job, I said, it's brilliant. Especially now with Colorado going back into the Big 12, because the Big 12 has a footprint, a big footprint in Texas. Dion used to live in Texas. He's still a big name in Texas. He can recruit in Texas, and he'll be able to get kids in the transfer portal. And as long as you're able, in, in what's changed in college football, what's changed in college football is location no longer matters. It matters a little bit, but it no longer really, really matters. If you have money and a dynamic coach, okay, you can you can compete anywhere. You can compete absolutely anywhere, and Dion has shown that overnight. So, does Dion last long term at um, at Colorado? I don't know. Right? If Florida State falters at some point. Would they back up the Brings truck? Probably. Texas A&M, like Texas A&M has more money than God. And if they buy out Jimbo, that's the f- absolute first guy you call. You call Dion Sanders because Deion can make – he made Colorado cool overnight. He actually can – only Kevin Sumlin previously was able to make Texas A&M cool. He would do that. But the, the, the head coach being the gigantic personality – that's a college thing. It's not a pro thing. Even Dion knows that. And I don't think there's a desire to. No, he's, he's also very, very intelligent. He understands, you know, you when know, he gets to coach his son, but he'll be able to command $10 million a year or more wherever he goes next or if he stays in Colorado. And, oh, yeah, by the way, and I'm sure he's getting some on the back end of all their apparel deal. He is no dummy. and He's got a very smart business business agent. But the other part to it is, the reason that guys stay in college is, one, the pros are about the players, not the coaches, and two, you can, and he's not there yet, you can win 90% of your games if you have better players than the other guy. That's what the Fox said.
1: Ah! What does the Fox say?
2: Let's get to our pick of the day. Okay, sir, the bet is to you. All in, baby!
1: It's time for the pick of the day.
2: All right. Pick of the day comes from the National Football League. Um, I have two for you. I have two for you. But I really want to hop on this number. Jacksonville is a three-point dog at home. If you can get three in a hook, take it. But remember, Jacksonville, they sat at home and stewed all year about the Kansas City game they thought they got, uh, they got away. Travis Kelsey is back at practice, but supposedly they took 75 cc's of blood from his knee. Wouldn't stun me if they held him out just one more week obviously you have Chris Jones back but it's his first week back the time is now for Jacksonville I think Jacksonville wins straight up and you can get that at three now you might be able to get it three and a half It, it it it'll probably go down if you know when we find out Travis Kelsey might not play this weekend I take Jacksonville today that's our pick of the day all right that's it for the in the bonus podcast thanks so much for joining me I'm Doug Gottlieb